some of y'all just look good today, okay? And uh, some of y'all that don't normally look good are looking good today. I don't know what it is. Look at the person next to you and say, you look a whole lot better than the last time I saw you, okay? Man, it is good to see you. Thanks for coming out and being with us today. We're thrilled that you're here. So a, a long time ago, probably about 50 years or so ago, it's been, um, if you kind of think about it in those terms, and there was a, a program that came on television. It was a new program series, and uh, it just caught the country uh, by fire. I mean, everybody uh, was watching this show. And it's kind of embarrassing now uh, to look back at that so long ago and admit that you actually watched that show. But if you're from my generation, uh, you watched it. You know you watched it. Um, It was a variety show called Hee Haw, okay? Um, Anybody remember it? Raise your hand if you remember it, okay? (laughs) Man, we got some old people that come to this church. I mentioned it to one of our younger staff today. He had no idea what I was talking about. He said, dude, you're just making that whole thing up. But uh, that show came on, and it ran for three years, which kind of surprised me. I thought, man, that was around forever. But what I, what I found out was after the three years, it then went in syndication, meaning it just kept going for another 25 years. And then in that 25 years, there's been some offshoot uh, uh, production companies who purchased it, and now they run reruns of it that have been going on for another 25 years. Hee-haw has never ended, okay? It just keeps going and going and going. And one of the most famous skits in that show, a little variety show, was four old country moonshiners sitting on some stumps and talking about their hard luck lives. And that was about a three, four minute skit on every show. And uh, this, this week I, uh, I kind of searched for that and I watched about uh, 20 minutes of it until I was ready to you know, go crazy. Uh, but they had this little skit where these guys came up on these stumps dressed up as, as hillbillies and they sang the lyrics of this song. Gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Now, I'll bet you, you never in your life thought you'd see that on a screen at church, okay? And uh, some of y'all going to be singing that all weekend long in your head now. Aren't you going to keep going on? So these guys would sing that song, uh, kind of hillbilly sounding, and then each one of them would add uh, to, the, uh, to the bad luck story that they had in that particular program that week. And so I, I read through some of those this week, and I brought one of them for you. And so the first guy, after they sing this song, the first guy said, Lord, he sure was relieved to hear what the doctor said. And then the next guy kind of carried on the story. He said, about something his wife had had before they was wed. And then the third guy kept it on and said, on her neck was this ugly growth that the doctor said he couldn't take off. And then the fourth guy starts crying and he said, but the doc said not to worry none, though, because it's just her head. And then they start singing the gloom story again. Now, Man, life would be so much easier if we could just laugh off our heartaches, couldn't it? Man, wouldn't it be so much easier? But hard luck seldom ends with humor. 
And so today, uh, this weekend, I want to dive into the Bible with you, and I want to kind of gingerly walk in and see what the Bible has to say about depression. We're in the middle of a series on emotional health, and one of the things that we've been talking about, and I'm, I'm just really proud of our church for, for diving into a, a topic like this. I, I really, really am proud of you. Because we've been jumping into it with the understanding that it's getting harder and harder in today's world to be emotionally healthy. And it used to be kind of a stigma if, if you had some of that going on in your life and you know people kind of looked bad at you and you felt kind of bad, anybody know? And the reality is now that is almost all of us deal with it to some degree. And so we said, man, as a church, let's, let's just kind of put it on the table. And I remember as my kind of crusty dad used to say, put the cards on the table. And we're going to talk about emotional health in our church. And so we spent a couple weeks to start this thing, and we dealt with shame and anxiety, and I hope what we found out that the Bible talks about, I hope that was helpful to you. I hope you took something out of that that can help you with those, those, uh, those aspects of emotional health. And we're going to jump in the next couple of weeks about anger and grief. And man, I cannot tell you how important it is for you to be here the next two weekends. Man, it's so important to deal with those. But this weekend, stuck in the middle, we're, we're going to... We're going to try to make some sense about this monster called depression. And I'm not sure why I, I ought to have an answer for you. Um, I've been a leader in God's church for over 40 years now. I ought to be able to answer this for you, and I, I don't have an answer for it. But for some reason, the church has never talked about that. And we kind of kept it back in the shadows and and didn't want to face the reality of it. And now we're, where we're at today as a society, and I'm concerned that we've never discussed it as a church. And I think that's unfortunate because God has some things to say that can really help people when they deal with aspects of this, of this challenge that a lot of us have. I want to, I want to kind of define what we're going to jump into uh, in this study, and I want you to kind of look up at this. You probably have seen this if you've ever been to a doctor, and it's kind of the pain scale. And uh, if you've got back problems, you had, probably had a, a neurologist ask you this. And we've also kind of seen that pain scale, and we've got these faces, and the, the kind of idea is that what level of pain you're in. And, you know, if you're kind of at a one, you know, you kind of got, eh, something's going on. And when you get 10, you know, you're ready to punch everybody in the throat who's even around you, ready, ready, ready to explode. And so that pain scale, although we think of in terms of physical pain, it really deals with what we're talking about in this emotion right now. Because there are, are scales, there are levels of this emotion that we're going to dive into in this study. It, it starts with this. I want you to kind of see it. And it's called the sadness level. And so th this is the, the probably, if you said on the pain scale, uh, emotionally, this is kind of, you know, maybe a one to a three somewhere in there. And, and everybody deals with it. 
Nobody at some moment in your life is not sad. We, we all get sad. You can never live on the mountain 24-7. And so things that can happen, they, you know, they dampen your mood a little bit. Maybe you didn't feel real good today. Maybe you kind of got a little bit of a headache. Uh, maybe your favorite team got beat, okay, and you're sad. Man, that's been going on a lot lately, hasn't it, huh? I appreciate you Hoosier and Cat fans coming into my Cardinal world lately, okay? Because we all know about it. Maybe your child getting didn't get selected for the play at school. And so different things happen that bring this sadness to your spirit. And all of us know about it, and nobody ever completely gets away. And those things generally pass pretty quick, and you just kind of move on after a, a bad day or so. But everybody deals with this. Everybody. And, and then if you think in the terms of the pain scale, you can kind of move to another level. And I'm going to use the word, because it makes sense to me, the word despair. And, and that's a little bit deeper than, than sadness. And so when you're dealing with despair, maybe we're in the four and five and six level of emotional pain. And, and now it's probably going to last a little bit longer. Maybe you had a pet die, maybe you lost your job, maybe your marriage is going through a rough spot now, and you're just kind of in a funk that's just kind of hanging on. You're, you're more than sad, you're kind of in, in despair. And I don't, I don't know anybody that lives their life that doesn't camp there once in a while. We all find ourselves there. And again, for some reason, as a church, for, for some reason, I'm talking big C, the, the kingdom of God. We, we just have kind of hidden that. We know that it goes on, but we don't want to talk about it because we want to come here and we want to feel good and be excited and happy. And, and the reality is that a lot of us are kind of masking all of this. And then at the deepest level, there is depression. And now we're at eight and nine and 10. And when we arrive at this point, we have moved into a critical area where now we're talking about an actual illness. Depression doesn't go away. You might find yourself sad at times and it kind of passes, or you might be in despair and enact some steps to kind of get past that a little bit. When you hit the level of depression, it doesn't leave. And when you find yourself at a depressed level, you'll find out that if you don't do anything about it, it will not only not leave, it will continue to get worse. Illnesses don't go away. And sometimes it's circumstantial. Something happened that puts you in this pit. And other times it's physiological. There's something going on inside of your body that is bringing that about. It might even be genetic. You find yourself in a depressed state because grandma was depressed. And you can't do anything about it. You just got it. And the reality is that when you look at that, all of us find ourselves on this scale every once in a while. But when we get here, man, when we get here, I want you to hear some things that will, that will shock you. Most professional studies today, when you look at what they're writing, and I'm not talking about, you know, things you buy in the, the aisle at Walmart. I'm talking real professional studies tell us that about 6% of the adult population in America is having a depressive episode at any given time. Now, here's what that means. I put it in numbers so that we would understand. Of all the people that will be in this room this weekend, of all the people that are in here, there will be 75 who are in a state of depression right now. 75 of us. 
It also learned that one-third of Americans at some point in their lifetime will deal with clinical depression. That means they will be diagnosed with depression, one-third of all Americans. Now, let's put that into our, our scale again. In this room through this weekend, there will be 400 of us as adults who at some point in our lifetime, we will be clinically depressed. Females tend to deal with it a little bit more than males. And one of the highest affected age groups are young adults. 18 to 25-year-olds are the highest depressed age that we have in America. And those are the people that ought to have the most to live for. And they're the ones today who are dealing with it more than any of us. Not all suicides are the result of depression. But when depression rates rise, what do you think also rises? Suicides. There is a suicide in America every 11 minutes. That means in the time that you are in this room right now, when you walked in to when we walk out, 12 people in America will have taken their own life. You, you see, somewhere along the line, you and I as Christians have to say, you know what, we gotta talk about this. We gotta deal about this. We've hit it too long, we put it in closets too long, we gotta bring it out and we gotta say, God, do you have anything to give us when this comes to my doorstep? And the reason that that is so important to say is because there are those of us in the room, including the one who's talked with you, who's been on that screen at some point and you starved for something that would help. And people are hearing me right now, and I, I can't even imagine when we, th we think in terms of online and all the people that will see this all over, how many will say, you know, I just, I just am, am, am thirsty for something that will help. And I want you to know in our study that the answer to that is a resounding yes. You see, it's a complex issue. I wish there was one secret sauce that took care of everything, and there just isn't, because managing sadness and despair and depression, it's often a combination of all kinds of, of different approaches. It's almost like a recipe, that in order to deal with what I'm dealing with, or where I'm finding myself right now, that there are multiple things that all got to come together to kind of help me. And there's just no way in one setting for us to throw it all out. And so what I'd like to do with you in this study is I want to show you just one part of the recipe. And that doesn't mean that there aren't other things that ought to be a part of your particular situation, but I want to show you one that I know will help. It will be part of the components that can help you, whether you're number one at sadness or number 10 at depression. What I'm about to show you in Scripture will work. It was, written, um, it was written by some choir boys. I love this. Because the thing that I want to show you in Scripture, uh, we don't know the name of the guys who wrote this, okay? We know their dad's name. Their dad was a guy named Korah. And, and we know that his sons were part of the Jewish choir, they were a professional group. And so some of the guys who were in the choir for Jerusalem, which was a big deal, okay? Some of those guys, those musical dudes, got together and they wrote songs. And some of them were the sons of Korah. 
And they would write these beautiful musical numbers, just like we do today when we have people, artists, who write songs. They did that back then. And those songs that many of those people wrote, including the sons of Korah, the choir boys, some of those songs made their way into our Bibles in the Old Testament. Many of you know this, but if you don't, this will be helpful. We call them what? Psalms. There's 150 of them that made their way into our Bible. But in that day, they were called songs. These were things they sang. And the choir boys wrote some of them, the sons of Korah. And one of them dealt with what you and I are talking about right now. It apparently was a time of great difficulty and darkness and despair in their life. And these guys got together and they wrote a song about what they were going through. Now, somewhere along the line, and we don't know where, I wish we could say, hey, here's where it happened, here's why it happened, we don't know why, but the song itself was divided into two songs. And we took both of those songs and we put them in the Bible, and they're different psalms, but originally wrote them, they were together. And you're gonna see this in a minute, and you'll see why choir boys wrote it. Okay, why this is important. But the Psalms that I'm talking about is number 42 and number 43. And 42 and 43 were originally together. They were one song that the choir boys wrote when they were down in the dumps, when things were rough. And they were probably beyond sadness. They were closer to depression than they were at that level. But they wrote a song about something God can do when you just thirst for some help. Now, here's what I want to do with, with the psalm. And I absolutely love this, okay? I love this, what he does with it, is I want to show you in Psalm 42, the 42nd Psalm, there's kind of a, a point in the psalm where it's kind of like, okay, this is the point that I'm making. That's what the, the choir boys were. Here it is. And it's in chapter 42, verse 5. Don't forget that. That's very important. Chapter 42, verse 5. And here's the part of the recipe they want us to hear. Let's look at it up here. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I suggested that when we find ourselves dealing with this emotion, there's all, it's complex. There's all kinds of different things that may come into your particular situation. I'm going to show you one of them that God does, and this is it. This is the pinnacle of the 42nd Psalm. Now here's what I want you to see, is I wanna take chapter 42, verse five, and I wanna advance a little bit, and I wanna show you chapter 42, verse 11. So just a little bit later in the song, okay? So let's put chapter 42, verse 11, and let's read it. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why does there move any? Put your open God. They had copy and paste back then, gang, okay? Do you see that? It is word for word the same thing. 
So he clarifies what he wants to teach, okay? And then he comes back and mentions it again. Now remember I said chapter 42 and 43 were all one song. We just divided them somewhere along the line. So let's go ahead and jump into chapter 43 and let's go to the fifth verse, which is really the end of the whole song, 43.5. And, and let's look and see what chapter 43 verse 5 says. <laughs> Copy paste again. Now you know, because you go to east side, okay? And I mean this because we try to teach things that are very important to learning the Bible. You know that repetition in Scripture, particularly when it's all together, is God's way of saying, pay attention to this. Don't miss this. And so when you're wrestling through this emotion at sadness level or despair level or even in a depressed episode, don't miss what God offers to help you. So let's just take that. And if you will, just think through your particular moment when you were going through something or maybe somebody you know, and let's just play with it and see what he says. You'll notice when he starts out that uh, the very first part that he talks about is trying to figure out why this is happening. And that's the very first part of that verse mentioned three times, is why is this going on? Why is it happening? One of the words that he uses means to feel down, okay? I just feel down. And the other word that he uses to describe that, that emotion is the word to moan. It's not a word, it's just, oh, oh. And, and so the, 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 the choir boys are recognizing that there's times in our life where we, that happens to us and we just, we get to feeling that. And the beginning of healing, the beginning of healing is to say, how did I get here? What has caused this? Why is this happening? Did something occur around me that dampened my mood? Is there something I need to proactively try to fix? Is, is something that is, is inside of me and it just won't go away? I mean, put a name on it. And I, I really think that what, what is being told to us here is that you just don't write it off. Don't just push it off to the side and say, well, I'm not going to pay any attention to it. I'm going to put it in the closet because it's embarrassing. I don't want anybody to know. No, the psalmist says, throw it out on the table and say, how did I get here? And sometimes you'll find out when you look at it and think about it, you'll realize that it's just something that's occurred outside of you and, you know, a good night's sleep tomorrow and you're going to be all right. It's going to get over. And that's what happens, okay, sometimes when you're at sadness level. You just, okay, that's why it happened. It's no big deal. And uh, I'm a Cowboys fan. It happens to me all the time, okay? Uh, I go to bed at night. I wake up and, oh, the sun came up again, okay? And then other times it's like, man, i got to deal with that. That's what's causing this, and I gotta, I gotta deal with this. And there may be times when you realize that I am at a level that is beyond all of that stuff. And you know, when you hit depression, that's not going to get fixed without therapy. Can I say that? That will not be fixed unless somebody can help you fix it. When you get at that level. There are times when medication is a part of that because physiologically your body does not have the ability to deal with that illness. And so you gotta stop and you gotta say, okay, what is going on? What is causing this? Don't ignore it, face it. And then did you see 
that the author said, as soon as he asked those questions, okay, why is this happening? Why am I downcast? He then said, right at the heels of that, he said, put your hope in God. Look at it right here. He just said, put your hope in God. Now, this is going to sound sacrilegious, and I don't mean this. I don't mean any disrespect to God. I don't mean any disrespect to his word at all. So I think about, you know, what's, what's knocking me down, and, you know, maybe, you know, it's something minor, but maybe it's something really big, and I'm just kind of, I can't get out of the pit, and I go to the Bible and say, okay, help me, God, help me, and, and then this is, this is what they give me. Well, put your hope in God, put your hope in God, you know, and, and you think, really? That's all you got? That's it? That's all you got? That sounds way too simplistic, God. Put your hope in God. The, the other day, I was, um, I've been trying to get a little bit better health myself, and so I'm on an elliptical machine at this gym, and uh, to take away the fact that I feel like I'm, I'm going to die at any second, I will watch something on my phone. I'll watch a video of some sort, and what I normally do is I, I have some guys that I love to hear preach, and I watch their church services, and I watch their sermons. And so a few days ago, I was at the gym, I'm on the elliptical, I've got my little phone here, and I'm, I'm listening to a sermon that a guy's preaching on depression. So it's part of my research is what's, you know, what are people teaching about depression out there? So I got this little video on my phone, this guy preaching about depression, I wanted to take some notes of things he was saying, and so I'm on my elliptical, and I, I kind of push the, some of y'all know how you do that, you push the video down towards the bottom, and I open up my note app so that I can type in some notes that he's saying, and uh, I did that all while I was on elliptical and didn't break my neck, which I thought was really impressive, and so I'm here, and I'm going, and if you've ever done the notes section on your app, you know what I'm talking about, the first line you put is really bold, you know, it's really, it's dark, and you can really see it, and I just put at the top, depression. And so I type that in. I'm on my elliptical. I got this video going on, and at the top it says depression, okay? And uh, I'm going along, and there's a guy next to me on the elliptical, and he's doing his thing. And he got done before I did. And when he walked down, around behind me, he was leaving, um, he patted me on the back. You know, I'm on a, and this dude I don't even know patted me on the back. And I turned around, I looked at him, and he said, hang in there, man, hang in there. And I thought, man, I must look really bad, like I'm going to die or something. And then I realized he thought I was depressed, you know, and I'm dealing with that. And what struck me was, wouldn't it be nice if that were the answer? Hang in there, dude. Hang in there, man. Hang in there. Have you ever been in despair and you ever been depressed? Don't you hate it when people tell you that? Because you know it's got to be more than that. And so you read this, and in honesty, here's what we say. Like if we left right now, and somebody say, hey, you went to the church, they talked about depression, what did they tell you? They told us to put our hope in God. They say, really? Now you know there's got to be something more to it, don't you? Got to be something more. And the difference is that word hope there. 
Because hope in the Bible is a big deal. It comes up a couple hundred times in the Bible. And it has a particular flavor to it in the Old Testament. It has a particular flavor to it in the New Testament. So when hope appears in the Bible, you need to know what the Bible means when it talks about hope. Because it ain't what you and I say when we talk about hope. In the Old Testament, whenever hope was talked about by the Jewish people, it almost always referenced the idea of waiting. So put that up there. When you see hope in the Old Testament, it means wait. Wait. When you get to the New Testament and you see the word hope, it has the flavor of confidence in there. Now, you put those together, and you're starting to see what the choir boys were saying. That when you kind of figure out what's going on, how to get where I'm, I'm getting right now, and as a, as a person who wants to follow God and wants God to be a part of what I'm going through, what is the answer to that? Well, just put your hope in God. Say, what are you talking about? Here's what you're talking about. Is that I know confidently, I know I don't have doubts about this. I'm not confused about this. I've come to the point in my spirit where I absolutely know that God is aware of what's going on and that God has the ability to intervene and to cause something happen to my positive benefit. Now watch this. I know that as a follower of God, and here's the big deal. I'm just gonna wait till he comes and does it. And the problem that you and I have with that area of sadness and despair and depression is that we hear God cares about us and we wonder why he hadn't come yet, why he hadn't fixed it yet. And hope in the Bible is to put your hope in God knowing that God will intervene not too early, not too late, but he will absolutely intervene. And when you understand that about your particular situation, that you don't have any doubt whatsoever about that, you know that God is concerned, that God cares. You know what it does to you? It lifts your spirit. Because I know he will intervene. I know it. And so what are the choir boys saying? That when this kind of stuff happens in your life, that it'll happen for everybody, work on your perspective, work on that. It goes back a little bit, what we talked about last week, that anxiety, you are taking the time to slow down and relax and be calm and get by yourself and say, God, this is what's happening, this is what's going on. And when you've done that, you know, you know, that he will answer in his time. And that seems to lift the spirit a bit. And so as we suggested earlier, of all the complex parts of dealing with our moments of sadness and brokenness, part of that is your perspective as a follower of God, that your hope is in him. Does that mean that he'll answer today the way you want it? No, that's putting your hope in you. My hope is in God who knows and cares, and I will not walk this alone. Now watch this, because here's where it gets tough. Because as soon as the choir boys threw that out, and see where they, see where they went so far. 
Don't ignore this thing. Don't throw it under the carpet. How did I get where I'm at? How'd this happen? And change your perspective to where you know that the creator of the world is aware of what's going on and wants to get in and work on your behalf in the property. You, you absolutely know that. So here's the deal. What do I do while I'm waiting? And that's where everybody gets messed up. Because while I'm waiting on him, what do I do about it? Do I fret more? Do I get all nervous more? Oh, I know he's going to help. I just don't know why he's helped yet. Now I feel worse. What do I do? Did you see what the choir boys said? This is craziness. They said, I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Now, I got to share something with you here a little bit. I have languished over this all week. And I, I've come, I've come to, to teach this today, and I want you to know that I don't know how to explain what I'm going to say. I don't know how to do it. And I prayed that God would give me words uh, to make it clear. I, I know what I want to say. I don't know how to say it so that you'll, you'll understand it. I don't know how. I've read everything I know how to read to say, is there, is there a way to paint this picture so that all of us will catch it? I've hammered my brain. Is there a metaphor? I don't know how to tell you what this means. I know what it means. I don't know how to say it. I've come to the conclusion that what I'm about to try to explain, the only way for you to know about it, the only way is for you to experience it. And so if you've never experienced it, you will not know what I'm talking about in the next few minutes. And if you have experienced it, you will realize what I'm saying and you will say, how come you've not talked about that more? So here's the choir boys, dealing probably somewhere between despair and depression and how did we get here? What got us here? And we're going to put our hope in God. We know who we serve. We know he loves us. We know he cares for us. We know he'll intervene at the absolute right time. We wait confidently. It's starting to feel better. So what are we going to do until God shows up? And then they say this, I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So let me just say it this way. There is healing in worship. There's healing in worship. And there are people scattered in this room right now that goes, dude, I know exactly what you're talking about. And some people are, man, you're in a different plane for me. There is healing in worship. And I'm not, I'm not talking about coming to church. Because some of y'all come to church all the time. And you, you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about that. I'm not talking about going through the motions of what we do when we put a church service together and you show up in here. None of that stuff is what I'm talking about. None of that is healing in worship. I'm not talking about sitting in a seat with a bunch of other people. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about engagement in worship. 
I'm talking about allowing the music to stir your soul. I'm talking about the lyrics of music, what they say to your situation. I'm talking about getting to that point where you have forgotten everybody around you and it's like you're the only person in the room and you pour out your heart before God and you get absolutely lost in worship. And I'm here to tell you that when that happens, there is an internal healing inside of your soul that nobody can explain, including you. And the only way to know what these boys were writing is to experience what they experienced. I will continue to walk through the season of life that I'm in knowing that a caring, powerful God is aware of what's going through, is ready to help at a moment's notice when the time is right. And until then, until that happened, you know what that means? When I'm still in the pit, when it's still not going well, when things are still heavy and hard, while I'm waiting, what will I do? I will lose myself in worship. And I'm just telling you because I've been there that when that happens to you in this room with these people, there is a healing in your spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the only way to know that is to experience it. Now watch this because this will, I mean for me it blew me away. Let's, let's advance a long time after this was written. And let's advance to where Jesus is teaching the people who were following him at that point in his life. And Jesus gave them a story, a metaphor, that interestingly enough is written more about in the Bible than almost every story that he ever told. It's a big one. And, and Jesus said this. He said, I want you to think about this idea of following God, of everybody just saying, man, God is God, and I'm going to follow him, I'm going to give my life. And, and Jesus said, let's just say everybody is giving that opportunity. Everybody is challenged. Give your life to God, follow God, all that kind of stuff. And Jesus said, there will be people who will respond in different ways to that. He said, some people will do this. He talked about different responses, and one of them was this. Some people will respond by this. I don't have nothing to do with that. That's not my thing. I don't believe it. I ain't got time for it. I'm not going to do the God thing. It's just not me. And you know people in your life like that. And then he said, there'll be an, another section of people who they're going to be all in, man. They're going to believe the message, and they're just going to give their life and follow God until the day they die, man. They are just all totally, completely in. And man, I hope that's you. And then he said, there's, there's a couple other kinds of responses to God, and they're a little bit of a hybrid. Now watch this, because they start well, but they don't last. One of them are these people. They're just too busy, man. They say, yeah, that's what I want. I want to follow God. I want him in my life. I want a family. Man, we're going to do this. We're going to give our life to it. We're going to give everything. And then they just get busy. 
And they got 5,000 things going on in their life and they're wondering how can I get all this stuff done? And somewhere along the line, when you got all those plates that you're trying to spend in your life, the God plate, the God plate loses its priority. Jesus said there'll be people like that. And so every, every church deals with this. We have people that aren't here anymore. Where are they at, man? What happened to them? They've got a thousand things going on in their life, man, and God kind of lost the focus for them. And Jesus said, that's gonna happen. It's gonna be people who start out, but they're not gonna finish because they don't realize that he is the priority. Now, watch this. There's one other group of people, and they're gonna start out. They're gonna start out, man, but they're not gonna be at the finish line, and here's why. Here's why. Because they got sad. Because life got hard. And something brought sadness. Some gave them despair. For some reason, they fell into a fit of depression. And, and how do I work through all this? And in the midst of my sadness and my hardness, hardships and, and all that kind of stuff that I'm going through, I found myself moving away from God. And so Jesus said it this way about those folks. Look at it from Matthew chapter 13. He said, since he, talking about this person, has no root, he lasts only a short time. Because when trouble, persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Now watch, watch this. What the choir boys said... And what Jesus said were the same thing. What are you going to do when you get sad? What are you going to do when life is hard? What are you going to do when you find yourself in a pit? What are you going to do when you say, man, I just can't feel better about this? The choir boy said, find your healing in worship. Did you hear that? Go to him and pour out your soul in worship and experience, because you can't learn it by hearing it. Experience what happens when you give yourself in worship to God, because that's the Father's way of bringing healing. And Jesus said, for those who write that off, they move away from God. And so when it gets rough and when it gets hard and you're sad and you're discouraged and you don't know how you're going to deal with all this, just let me ask you this. Do you move toward him in worship? Or have you found yourself moving away from him? And my challenge to you is to realize that when you move forward, there is healing. And when you move away, there's more sadness. Now, I, I want I I us to do something together here. I want you to think in terms of a, 
of a, of a type of a song that we used to talk about uh, called serenading. And uh, that word was often used among lovers where one lover would serenade, would sing over uh, the person that they loved and cared for. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to practice this idea of losing yourself in worship to experience healing by God serenading you. And so I've asked our team to come up here and they're going to sing a song and you'll notice the lyrics are as if God were singing to you now. And I want you to stay seated. I don't, I don't want you to stand up. I want you to stay seated during this. And I want you to take whatever heaviness that you might be dealing with in your life right now or you've done at some point, and I just want you to get lost in what God wants you to know. And if you can somehow lose yourself in that, which requires you to forget everybody around you, forget anything, throw your inhibitions away, and just lose yourself in this song. And I want you to feel the healing that God gives. Maybe you've been, you've been moving away from Him because life didn't turn out what you thought it ought to be. What you've learned now is the opposite is what happens for healing. Lose yourself right now.